Listening Dog Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Muddy Knees Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule in association with Football Manager. It's me, Kate Borstay. We're all broadcasting from home today in this alternate reality amidst, of course, the coronavirus. But we're here today to inject a little bit of fun, uh, a few football facts, as well as telling you how we're all getting on at the moment. Speaking of which, today's show, well, it's really about one person, one woman and one woman only. Yes, it's Lindsay Hooper's birthday this very day. Hello, Lindsay. Who knew that when coronavirus came around, it meant I could milk my birthday on the podcast (laughs) for all it was worth? (laughs) Never normally allowed. Uh, I hope you've had a great day. Of course, it's not just two of us. There's another voice about to appear on this podcast. In fact, she's in a swimsuit and a sarong right now, even though it's only (laughs) lunchtime. Our very own Hayley McQueen. I absolutely am, and I am barefooted as well, although nobody wants to look at my fingers and my toes at the moment because, yeah, Manny Peddies have been out for, what, five weeks already? And I'm struggling. (laughs) Haven't you got Kirk trained in those yet? Because, I mean, he's pretty good at everything else. He he is. He Believe it or not, he cut my little girl's nails this morning. He gave her a pedicure and a manicure. I can't cut her nails. It terrifies me for... I've already cut her once, as in not trimmed her nails, like hurt her and she bled from her little thumb, poor little dear. <laughs> Going up yeah. for the Mum of the Year award, Hayley McQueen. <laughs> Forget about the pedicures, Hayley. I want to hear that you've got a gin fizz next to you and you're taking full advantage of the weather. Hopes, I have to ask how your birthday morning <laughs> has been so far. Oh, it's been brilliant. And thank you both because you've been involved in it. I had a surprise, you know, this morning. And I think this was partly as well a breakfast thing. One, because the podcast was considered, I think. Uh, Second of all, it's that my other half just got way too excited that she'd organised a football quiz but also with friends and some women's footballers, who you will know, who posed me different questions. And it was just such a surprise because I didn't, A, know she'd stolen my phone at any point to get some contacts of it. Um, And two, to see all of your lovely faces. It was really nice. Well, I saw the list of England internationals involved. And can I say, it is some kind of a woman that manages to get Kaz Carney, Laura Bassett, um, Rachel Yankee, all involved in giving you a football quiz on your birthday so um oh, I know, top trumps to your partner Nat and to you as well for being able to command such a mega A-list of stars. Ah, oh, well I, th- I think a lot of thanks has to go to two in particular I think uh, Laura Bassett and Kelly Smith helped her out no end but I will say a big thank you to some of the questions that were posed Carly Telford was in there as well Rachel Brown Finnis Sue Smith uh, friend oh, of the podcast so thank Sue. you to all of those and yeah. the ones that you mentioned um, of all the questions posed actually I did qu- I did better with the ones that were posed from some of the the girls some of my friends just decided to ask me about all sorts of stuff from 1982 which is the year that I was born 
form ah. when I actually was zero. So I don't remember <laughs> anything from that. Pressure. And, and my friend Bex Adams in particular, who asked me who the very first manager of Wolves was back in the 1896 era. Of course era you know that. Ridiculous. So, of yeah, course good old, you know that. Good old George Worrell. Yeah. <laughs> who knew? Well, there'll be loads more who knew moments in this podcast and much more celebrating as well, Lindsay, because we're going to intertwine your birthday and general celebrations uh, throughout the podcast. So you can look forward uh, to more of that, folks. But, you know, first of all, Linz, um, the big breaking news line at the moment, and it ties in, of course, we've been talking about the Lionesses who've been providing you with football questions. Most of them aren't playing anymore, but those who are playing, it looks like they're set to have a new manager from next summer. Yes, I don't think it's been the best kept secret. This news has been surfacing and been rumoured for some time about Phil Neville potentially departing from the Lionesses next summer. That has been announced. Um, and I do wonder whether it's it's a combination of him feeling that his time's come to an end and England looking towards the future a little bit more. You never know who's become available as well on the managerial front because he was always sort of a left field appointment to come in. Um, and there are a lot of managers that would want to, to be in the frame for that job going forward with the Euros now being postponed to 2022. Yeah. There's a, a lot more build up to it, isn't there? It is a strange one because, of course, his whole remit initially in being hired was for him to get us to the Olympics in 2020 and then, of course, the Euros um, in 2021, which was going to be the big final showpiece um, of his first contract as Lionesses manager. So the fact that he's going to miss out on both of those, of course, that's not his fault. But it just, you know, feels to me like it could be potentially damaging for the team unless someone comes in sooner than next summer when you bear in mind that we've got two such big footballing tournaments coming up. I'm really surprised that they didn't insist that he stayed on to finish that through. And given a lot of what his ambitions were when he came into the job surrounded that tournament, it was about yeah. getting those home Euros announced and then potentially winning um, on home soil to not be involved with that. Imagine if that goes on and happens under someone else. You know, do we look at Phil and think that he he laid the foundations or do we completely credit the new person? It's a really difficult one when you've got a home Euros on the horizon. The only thing I'd, I'd, I'd say to sort of finish it off really is that perhaps it's fortuitous in a very weird kind of way that having lost seven of his 11 games um, since that quarterfinal win over Norway in the Women's World Cup of course has been a lot of chat about him a lot of concern over the form of the team as well you know perhaps it's strangely fortuitous that he will now of course not continue in his reign as Lionesses manager and um, the chance will be given to someone else instead it's it's sort of a bit of like wiping the slate clean again isn't it? Um, but let's hope it doesn't sort of um, uh, mean that his work with the side um, doesn't count towards anything. Hayley, just something to fire at you quickly. We're also hearing lots of lines in the last few days about uh, the major European leagues finishing in July, which would then allow uh, the Champions League and Europa League to play in August. We've not had confirmation on any of this. We're recording this on Thursday lunchtime right now. So, of course, stuff might have happened in the time that we've been recording this to when you're listening at home, folks. Um, but Hayley, just a word from you about whether that's realistic yeah, I don't think anything is going to be decided for quite some time until we know that um, travel bans are lifted. We know that clubs can actually safely go back to to training and playing. Um, obviously, right now, the, the qualification for 2021 
um, should be almost in, in view. That's happening in June. That's not going to happen. So it means that UEFA are discussing at the moment that if the resumption of football is in July domestically, it would allow then European competitions to be played as two-legged ties. And that's between August the 11th and 22nd. They could become kind of one-off games. Obviously, it depends who's going to be travelling where. It's, I mean, it's just a minefield, isn't it, really? You yeah. just it's it's so complicated and we can't exactly plan for something that we don't know what we're planning for that's that's the big yeah. issue you could say right we've got this date in mind this is going to happen but how do we know that when there's no date in mind for any country across Europe as to when we're coming out of lockdown? Different countries are in different stages as yeah, well. Yeah, they are. But at least there are plans being spoken about. Uh, the only other news line to update you on with regard to the coronavirus outbreak and uh, how that's affected football, uh, the National League season has ended with immediate effect. Um, that's all been confirmed. The club's back to vote to close the 2019-20 season. The fate of the clubs in the league, of course, yet to be decided. I did. All right. Well, coming up here on the show, we're going to delve into the history books. This is really inspired by the fact that Crystal Palace have this week announced that they've got evidence to suggest that they're the oldest club in the world. So bombshell from them. Um, so who else has claims uh, to age and history? We'll be chucking a bit of that in, a bit of football history, a few football facts as well. Plus, it would be remiss of us, wouldn't it, not to bring a competitive edge to Lindsay Hooper's birthday podcast. So we're going to create five asides from players who share our birthdays and of course don't forget we're on jack radio fridays at four o'clock ah some lovely celebratory music will be peppering through the podcast today delightful let's get stuck into topic one then 2020 vision so as we're celebrating hoops's happy day we thought we'd look into other celebrations that are happening in the year 2020 this year across the footballing landscape it could be anniversaries or celebrations to do with stadiums events uh, players with big birthdays this is an open topic ladies so take it wherever you like birthday girl you can go first Oh, thanks. Um, I think most of mine I've centred around events, actually. I've gone for that route because there were a lot of things that many football fans around the world were looking forward to in 2020, some of which are yet to happen. Now, when we talk world football, there's two names that always come up over the last decade, uh, Ronaldo and Messi, and they are coming towards what are the twilight years of their careers. They haven't got too much more to celebrate, but this year would have seen some landmarks being reached. Messi, could have broken Pele's all-time club goal-scoring record of 643 career goals. Will that still happen if the season resumes? And also on the international front, Ronaldo could get the most international goals. He's currently on 99 and the target is 109. Um, Obviously, without having the Euros tournament, um, his chances of that have diminished somewhat. Um, Someone who gets a mention on the show quite a bit, Sergio Ramos, not usually for the right reasons, but he could on an international (laughs) scale. Um, Actually, he's one goal shy of becoming the best scoring international defender in history. Um, He just needs to surpass 22 goals of Daniel Passarelli. And in women's football, one that's already happened, Christine Sinclair surpassed Abby Wambach as scoring the most international goals in women's football. And for Leon, one that could happen if football resumes again, will they be the first ever women's team to get five consecutive Champions League titles? Mm, Hayley, what have you got for me? 
Oh, I had also picked out Leon as well to put in a, a women's football slant and, and I've got an individual and a club. So Cesc Fabregas has put something on his Instagram today saying, fun fact, everyone. So today has been exactly 16 years and 177 days since my professional debut at 16 years old and 177 days. So long story short, I've officially been playing football for exactly half of my life. Random, but there you go. Thanks, Sesk. Um, What about Morecambe, who are celebrating a massive, massive um, centenary year this year? I know Leeds United had one last year. They still had a few events and trickling into this year, which uh, my dad was part of. And I've got a bit of an on this day as well coming up later for Leeds United fans, a massive game in Europe. But yeah, Morecambe, and this is pretty cool. They were going to be having at the Globe Arena centenary rocks. So they were going to be kicking off their centenary celebrations in style money was going to be going to St John's Hospice this was going to be happening on June the 12th 13th and 14th so I'm imagining that's not going to happen now with large crowds gathering Jules Holland and an orchestra were going to be supporting an array of artists throughout one of the evenings and they had all sorts of plans throughout three days so yeah well done on Morecambe for being 100 years old and still being in the um, English Football League impressive. I've got some for you. I'll throw them in. West Ham founded 125 years ago. The club founded in 1895 as Thames Ironworks. It was reformed in 1900 as West Ham United. So that's 125 year anniversary or 120, depending on which one you go for. Eric Cantona's Kung Fu kit, Crystal Palace fan, of course, uh, the subject of that 25 years ago. Can you believe? 25 years. And I do remember watching that. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, so Stanley Matthew, Matthews, wherever I haven't been Matthews. in South London too long. You've been in London too long, my lady. That's <laughs> just Stanley Matthews. So Stanley Matthews, it's 20 years this year since his passing in 2000, often regarded, of course, as one of the greatest players of the British game and the only one still to be knighted while playing football, while still playing football. Finally, for me, it is the 30-year anniversary this year, not only of Italia 90, but of course the song, which in part made Italia 90 what it was, World in Motion by New Order, brilliantly described as a fusion of football fashion pharmacology and factory records and who can forget the John Barnes rap uh, let's just reminisce for a second and hear a bit you got to hold and give but do it at the right time you can be slow or fast but you must get to the line whilst we're on a nostalgia theme I'd say that the jury's out when it comes to VAR we've talked about it in many podcasts some people are for it some people are against it I think we're all united in one harmonious way where we say we are very much for goal line technology nobody's against that and <laughs> one of the biggest things that happened happened 10 years ago 2020 is the anniversary of that World Cup game where Frank Lampard's goal that never was did cross the line against Germany in the World Cup in South Africa yes, um, yes I think I think that's a 10-year anniversary we don't ever want to see creeping up again. Can you remember where you were when you watched that? Because I can. It's just one of those football moments, isn't it, where you just know where you were. You can picture the living room or the pub that you were in, the people you were with. I was in the basement at ITN, actually, were working you? for ITN at the time. And I was doing red button bulletins for the for the World Cup for ITV yeah. at the time. Yeah, Communal outrage for you then. Hayley, whereabouts were you? I was with three girlfriends, believe it or not, 
at a pool party in Las Vegas and they actually had the game up on a big <laughs> oh, screen. Wow. Yeah, I know. Only you, I know. McQueen, I know, right? come up with an answer yeah. like that. A pool party yeah. in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot compete. I was in a dungeon. I was in a basement and you were in Las Vegas. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Well, I remember being in France in a, in a house that we'd hired um, in the south of France with a load of my friends for Frank Lampard's goal that never was. Ten years ago, it still hurts, doesn't it? Lampard! Did it go in? No, say the officials over the line or not. Yes, most definitely. It's well over. England are denied an equaliser. Mine is just um, something to celebrate the life of someone who passed away just recently of coronavirus, the great Leeds United legend Norman Hunter. And, and Leeds have mm. now announced that they're actually going to rename the South Stand at Ellen Road in, in honour of him. He made 726 appearances. He played for the club for 14 years. He helped them win six trophies and as well played for England 28 times. Mm. So a real honour for, for the Hunter family um, on losing a really great man to this um, really horrible disease. What's your dad had to, had to say about his memories of him, Hayley? Well, dad obviously formed a partnership with him and played with him at the back. So they had a, mm. a really great friendship. When dad joined the club, Norman was a little bit older than him and really took him under his wing and really looked after him. And they were playing in a great side at the time. And there's a big anniversary, actually, of a, of a very famous game um, today on the 23rd of uh, April. As we record this, Leeds United played Barcelona at the Nou Camp in the European Cup uh, semi-final obviously to try and then get to the final against Bayern Munich uh, my dad was sent off however so dad <laughs> yeah Norman obviously wasn't looking after dad well enough to make sure that he his discipline was kept in check I'd read the match report as well and it said McQueen allowed his temper to get the better of him he was sent off for a stupid rush of blood after Barcelona had just equalized that was in the in the next game but yeah it's the 45th anniversary of Leeds playing Barcelona at the new Camp in a, they were up against the likes of um, Cruyff in the opposition as Amazing. well but yeah dad he loved playing with Norman he was still in touch with him he was part of the Leeds United centenary celebrations just um last year as well so at least he'd, he'd seen him fairly recently and really sadly he, he was obviously in, in in very good health but this this has just got the better of him Oh, well, that nicely rounds up that topic and a great gesture there by Leeds United for Norman Hunter. Next up, though, we are going to be recognising and celebrating football things of the past. Listeners, we want to tell you about a beautifully simple way to showcase and sell your photography. PicFair is used by over 150,000 people worldwide. It's a free platform that allows anyone to sell their photos from complete amateurs like me to seasoned professionals, probably like some of you out there in Podland. And PicFair is so simple. All you do is upload your photos, name your price, and those pics will appear on your personal online photography store. Your photographs will also be listed on PicFair's central marketplace, where images taken by people who've never sold a picture before have been published by The Guardian, Time Out and Rough Guides, and they've even been used on the front cover of National Geographic. Alongside digital downloads, customers can also purchase your photos as beautiful frame prints and canvases. And whether you sell them through your own store or the marketplace, PicFair will produce the prints for you in high-quality labs and take care of all of the shipping. So if you've got time on your hands and you're wondering what to do with all of the brilliant photos you've got lying around on your hard drive or camera roll, go to pickfair.com and sign up for free today. That's P-I-C-F-A-I-R.com. Pickfair, a new home for your photography. Yeah, 
hope you're bopping around wherever you're listening to this podcast, folks, with our celebratory music for Lindsay Hooper's... How old are you, Lindsay, today? Can you remember? Because you often forget your age, don't you? I do. I'm 38. (laughs) I love the way you hesitated there. (laughs) <laughs> 38 uh, for Lindsay Hooper today. Okay, well, next up, Crystal Palace this week. This is really interesting, actually, claimed that actually they are the oldest club in world football. This is linked to research carried out by author Peter Manning on behalf of the club. Now, he's discovered a link to a cricket and football club that was founded in 1861. That's a year before Notts County, currently recognised as the oldest professional club by the FA, came into existence. So Crystal Palace are arguing that actually they are the oldest club. Uh, The claim is still up in the air and I'm sure it's going to be debated for some years to come. Probably more research needs to be done. So I'd like to take a look at some more historical fact bombs from you two, please. Lindsay, what have you been able to dredge up for us? I'll start by quizzing you both. What would you think is the oldest association football trophy? Oh, I know this because it's on my research too. <laughs> so I will I won't answer. Isn't it the FA Cup? The FA Cup's one of the oldest, but it's not the oldest. Oh. Um, in fact, you've got to go north of the border. It's actually the Scottish Cup since oh, 1874. Do you know, I think I knew that. I think I probably read that out once. In fact, I probably had that burnt into my memory once. Mm. And um, baby brain has just taken over everything. Uh, but I do think that your knee-jerk reaction when I hear that would be to say FA Cup. So I would have been the same as you if I well, had it's quite seen interesting, it in isn't it? Because you've got the oldest national trophy. The oldest competition or tournament is the FA Cup, but the trophy belongs to the Scottish Cup. Speaking of trophies, I really am quite partial on a Sunday evening to watching Antiques Roadshow. Do either of you <laughs> oh, watch God. it? Sometimes I do, yeah. Cause like it, a bit of Fiona Bruce? That. Well, you just wait for that moment where they reveal how much it is. It's such a simple premise to a show, but it keeps you hooked, doesn't it? It does. If anyone was watching an episode, it was quite some time back now where they had um, a trophy called the Yudan Cup that had been discovered. Only, it only looked like quite a small trophy, actually, but it dates back to 1867. It was a silver cup and it was presented back in the day to non-league Hallam FC after they won a tournament that was hosted by some Sheffield teams. So... On this Antiques Roadshow episode, how much, ladies, do you think this oldest trophy that's ever been pushed in front of these experts was worth? I'm going to say it was worth £7,000. You're nowhere near. Oh, God. Hayley? 700 No. This is an item, by the way, that's not for sale. I don't know who oh, would be able to afford it. Seven, seven hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> seven, Nearer. twelve, ten million, hundred thousand. No. Google Plex of it's, a pound. It's actually valued at one hundred thousand pounds. But that oh, was an wow. episode back when. I think it's probably about eight years old. That episode, so it could have actually added a bit more value since. In our modern times, although pandemic aside, it's probably worth about two hundred thousand or something now, isn't it? Well, I know the fact that the Scottish Cup is football's oldest trophy is in the Guinness Book of Records. And I've been combing the pages of that very book myself, or the internet pages of, anyway. Uh, what about this for an oldest thing? During an excavation period at Stirling Castle in Scotland, not sure you've ever been, Hayley, uh, but this happened in the mid-1970s, a grey leather ball was discovered behind some oak panelling in a bedroom that was once used by Mary, Queen of Scots, during her reign in the 16th century. It's since been declared as the world's 
oldest football. There were some tests done on it, and it's revealed it's been revealed that it's 436 years old, so created between 1540 and 1570. I can't confirm, though, both of you, whether the Queen herself did use the ball. Uh, it's more likely that um, soldiers and her staff probably used it. But it's on display at a museum at, at Stirling Castle, um, and it is officially, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, uh, the world's oldest football. So there you have it. Scotland and their love of football goes back many, many years and to our royalty as well. Right. Let's talk about the oldest stadium in the world. The oldest stadium, not just football stadium, but the oldest stadium full stop is Bramall Lane. Oh, yes, of course it is, because it's linked to Sheffield FC, isn't it? It is. Um, it was constructed in 1855. Um, obviously, they have rugby league games there with the Sheffield Eagles. They have, I think they've had cricket there as well. They, they've had an awful lot. It's the only stadium, apart from the Oval, which has hosted England international football matches, an England cricket test match and an FA Cup final. So there you go. So Bramall Lane, officially mm. the oldest stadium in in the world. Do you know what? That is so interesting because Crystal Palace's claim to being the world's oldest football club is, of course, linked to the fact that there was a football club and a cricket club at the same address. So the football mm. cricket thing, the fact that they both played played at the same place or part of the same club has been definitely a mainstay of, of kind of early age football for sure. I hope you both watched the English game. Um, Hayley, it sort of backs up your point even further as well about the links to Scotland with the history of football because uh, you may recall within that, if you watch the Netflix series, it's absolutely fantastic, by the way. Then there were the players actually brought down from Scotland to come and play for Blackburn Rovers when they eventually won the FA Cup. That's what it's all about. I loved watching that with no live sport on. It was the one thing where you actually got to watch a bit of action and also learn something whilst you, whilst you were mm. watching it. Um, and sort of links as well to another one that I found which was the oldest football programme that has been sold now there may be older out there but in terms of having a record of it uh, this was the oldest I could find and it links in with the English game made me think of that programme because it was a game between Eton and Yale colleges because a lot of the football used to be played oh. between all the the posh schools, didn't it? Once upon a time, a posho game. So this, yes, yeah, it was a it was a football program dating back to eighteen seventy three, and it had been hidden in a scrapbook for nearly one hundred years, and then was discovered and then sold for how much? Are you quizzing us again? Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Oh God. Sold for goodness. Goodness me. It's like it's like it's like working for Sotheby's, isn't it? Um, no. <laughs> I think it was sold for um, uh, seventy thousand pounds. Thirty thousand pounds for the oh, old okay. football program there you go. back then, there you and go. that's what it that's what it was tipped at. Apparently, in very good condition for for how old it was. Mm. Haley, give us another one to wrap yeah. up with. Oh, blimey, Lindsay. Um, Right, this is kind of birthday related. This is not really to do with history, but something did happen 14 years ago. And it's to do kind of with birthdays because hosting of the World Cup in 2006, Germany had a baby boom. That's right. Nine months after the football competition, the birth rate in Germany was up 30% higher compared to the same period in the year before that, which I think is probably going to happen coronavirus related as well, isn't it? In nine months time or so Mm. from now with uh, there's a 
prediction that there's going to be a baby boom. But yeah, the World Cup in Germany basically made sure that 14 years later we're sitting here talking all about these uh, youngsters who were conceived whilst football was going on and may go on to play for the national team themselves. You never know. Well, there are some brilliant facts there. If you are taking part or creating your own football quiz round, uh, folks listening to this, you've got some stellar facts there uh, to ask questions around. Uh, next up, let's move on to our birthday fiversides. Okay, so to end this week's show and give full celebration, of course, as if we've not mentioned it enough, Lindsay Hooper's 38th birthday, um, we've decided to have a -a five-a-side competition. Yeah, we're going to build a team of five players each. They all have to have the same birthday as us. Lindsay, it's only right that you go first on this one. I'm going to start, you know, I'm quite competitive with this. So I'm going to start by saying thank you for both being born not in February. So the fact that your December and July birthdays means that you can't have the ultimate five-a-side team that would be on the 5th of February, which has Ronaldo, Neymar and Tevez. So if you're going up against any of those, I think you just raise your white flag. I've got quite a nice mix. I don't know how they're going to compare to yours. If I take your five-a-side teams on, am I going to be victorious? It's a mixed five-a-side team. Um, I actually share my birthday with a lioness steph horton uh, she is 32 today oh, she's Happy an automatic birthday, in isn't she yeah so she's an automatic in in defense and alongside her i'm going to have nathan baker who plays for bristol city who's 29 um so we've got a sturdy sturdy two at the back in the center i'm going to probably bring in sophia jakobsen who plays for sweden uh, swedish international got a lot of uh, of endurance a lot of running Very power good. so she can go all mm. over the pitch and then up front i think this is going to get me some goals here darren huckabee who's 44 oh, nice. today happy birthday darren um and he's going to be playing up front alongside victor anichebe okay uh, hayley mcqueen how are you going to compete with that Right. Mine is varied to say the least. It is very international, so much so you might not have heard of three of my five aside. And in fact, one of <laughs> the two. Were you scrabbling that you, around, Hayley? Yeah. One of the two that you have heard of might not even share the same birthday since Googling him. And he, he, he shows up as the 9th of December, which is when I was born but also on another site, the 11th of December. But I'm going to just oh. stick him in anyway. It's it's Danny yes, Ward of Huddersfield and Bolton. Not a massive name, but solid. Um, is he your best one? <laughs> um, no, my my best one is the late, great Billy Bremner. We share the same birthday. Oh. I've had a bit of a Leeds United theme on this podcast yeah. this week. So he's, he's in midfield. Great. Now, ha- have you heard of Quadmo Asamoah? And I've, Asamoah, Asamoah, I feel Asamoah like I have. Jean, but not, but no. not the other one. No, <laughs> but not the other Quadmore one. Asamoah. No. Well, no, he's Asamoah a Ghanaian, Jean, a Ghanaian international midfielder and defender as well. So he can he can kind of help me out with two positions. He did win Serie A with Juventus in uh, 2013 and the Supercoppa Italiana in 2012. So he's he's played out in Italy. He's Ghanaian. Um, mm. Have you heard of Santiago Silva? Uh, there's a lot of silvers in football yeah yeah well he's a uruguayan uh, forward um definitely a journeyman a little bit like my career (laughs) lived all over but he's played for 21 different clubs holy moly different clubs yep and had two spells at river plate and then i end with um have you heard of darius dudka you might have darius dudka 
Is he yeah. German? No, he's Polish, but he did come and play in the championship for a very short spell. Didn't quite work out, though. He's a midfielder and defender as well. He earned 65 caps during his international career. Um, That was from 2004 to 2012. He spent the majority of his career in Extralaska. No, Extraplasa. I have absolutely no idea. This goes really well, Hayley. All I'm going to say is you've got to get these players to gel together um my yeah, team they'll is be completely fine. beating your they'll team they'll be fine he's he's also played for Levante so I'm clinging on there and he did have mm. a short spell I mentioned in the championship for Birmingham City but he left shortly after quote I was surprised at the pace of the game here and <laughs> and proceeded to leave Just basically could not hack it um so it, it's pathetic it, it, to say the least my birthday footballing uh, five aside is pathetic I mean, the coaching advice from Lindsay Hooper here is you've got to get your players to gel together. But how does that happen if one of them's dead? I mean, I, mean, I don't. I, I, anyway, uh, mine uh, are eclectic. Also, uh, also scrabbling round. Um, but I'm going to start with a women's player, former PSG and Lyon player. She's a French international. Kenza Darley currently plays for West Ham women. So she's a definite in for me. Uh, Antonio Conte. 50 Uh-oh. at the moment. Inter Milan manager, of course. Um, he's in. Michael Bradley. Plays for Toronto in the MLS, formerly Roma, USA International. Um, Titus Bramble, he's my uh, Titan, Titan Titus. Uh, He's my pick. Uh, Newcastle and Wigan, of course. Uh, Paolo Wanchop is how I'm going to finish (laughs) my uh, Celebrity Five with. With with Anitra B and Hooker B and Horton, I think we're... You're doing pretty well, it has to be said. Uh, Perhaps we'll let the listeners at home decide uh, who wins this one. Um, And as you said, Hoops, the fact that none of us were born on February the 5th means that we've all kind of got a a fairly even chance of uh, winning that particular competition. I'm quite surprised that it's actually the... Yeah, I'm quite surprised that it's the February big, big name birthdays because there was a study done. It was really interesting. Um, Ten years ago by um, professional English youth academies, they looked at kids from 16 to 20 um, with birthdays and 57% of the youngsters were born in September. I mean, that's quite extraordinary. And the rest were made up of That's a bit like the academic year as well, isn't it? Well, they say that's school related. That is exactly how it happened. Yeah, when you look at November and December, they they were up there as well. Only 14% celebrated their birthdays in June, July or August. It's the relative age effect. So that determines obviously the cutoff date um, Mm. age group for competition. English football, just like at school, they're placed into year groups based on whether they're born on the 1st of September or born after the 1st of September. So they have an advantage. So yeah, they've got a whole extra year to kind of grow and develop. And in football, that is definitely... um, playing to their advantage as well in, in youth setups. That's uh-huh. why as a July baby I never made it. Now I've got something to blame. All right, let's finish up on that one before we head into any other business. All right, time to head into everyone's favourite, well, mine anyway. Those little footballing stories, often lighter and brighter, uh, connected to what's happened this week. You might have missed some of them. I'm going to get us kicked off by something, in true me style, that happened last week, but I didn't mention it, forgot to mention it. James Milner's latest at-home video, we've talked about this before. Uh, In his latest one, he's washing stones on a gravel path one by one. What interesting and important work going on at James Milner's household. Hayley. Right. 
what about when football resumes? How are fans going to enjoy it? Well, football is going to be played behind closed doors, we believe. And the Danish Super League is going to resume American style because the Super League leaders, FC Michelin, are going to have a drive-in. That's right. The club plans to set up two big screens in their stadium car park with 2,000 parking spaces available. So that would allow up to, what, 10,000 fans to come and tune into the commentary through their car radio. And not only that, live footage of the car park is then going to be screened inside the arena so that the players can feel the fans' presence. And the club's marketing director said, yep, we are working really hard to create the best possible experience. And he said, we want to give something back to the region and our many loyal fans at this very difficult time. So that's pretty cool. It's a good idea. You can take your own popcorn, your own snacks in your own car at a safe distance. Boom. I think that's a really good idea because... If you see Liverpool crown title winners, if we actually get to do that this season, then of course fans, even if they can't go in, they're still going to gather. And that's it's how you get around that. And if you give them a, a mobile that they can stay inside and self-isolate together, then um, hopefully that would work. They'd still try and party though, wouldn't they? <laughs> Probably. Do you know Hibbs's shirt for next season, ladies? It's brilliant, by the way, because um, the, where the sponsor's logo should be, it's going to say thank you, NHS, um, which for me is brilliant messaging. So well done, Hibbs, for that. I just wanted to mention Curtis Davis, who did a throwback um, and I was on Twitter earlier and it popped up on my feed. He scored his first senior goal for Luton when they won the League One title on St George's Day against Wrexham 15 years ago today. Oh, well, I'm going to stick with the coronavirus theme um, and a couple of lines on that. Gareth Bale and his wife, Emma, they've donated half a million quid to Cardiff and Vale University Health Board, asking for it to be used um, for the COVID-19 response. Um, Gareth was born there and lots of his friends and families treated there. So a fantastic gesture from them. And Jill Scott, um, she's raffling off eight of her England shirts. This might interest you. Oh, I did see that. They've all been signed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of them is from the, the Women's World Cup last year and signed by several of the Lionesses all raising money um, for Sunderland Royal Hospital. It's a raffle, so you basically donate a tenner and you get a ticket um, allocated to your name with a live draw on May the 8th. All right, well, we'll round off the show just there. Thanks very much, um, folks, for listening. Don't forget, you can keep across what we're up to during the week uh, by following us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Offside Rule Pod. And we've got a website too, offsiderulepodcast.com, where you can read all about Italy's 2006 World Cup success. That's courtesy of editor Tom Dean, who, by the way, we mentioned last week, uh, £10,000 raised for NHS charities together, Tom and his friends, and he shaved his hair. He shaved his I think it looks good. Cool. I think it's so. There you go, skinhead Tom. Yes, absolutely. I'd love a quick shout out as well for something that I'm doing, raising funds for the Mintridge Foundation, that are a charity who support young people um, through sport, gaining new life skills. They help with mental and physical well-being as well. They've had loads of events cancelled due to coronavirus. So there's a team of seven of us headed up by one of our writers, Ali Hooper, and uh, we are going to be splitting the distance of a marathon between us to raise money um, for the Mintridge. Foundation. That all happens over the next week, of course, in honour of the fact that the London Marathon was meant to take place on the 26th of April. Um, I'm going to round it up there. Um, Lindsay, I have to know what's going to happen for the rest of your birthday day. Is there going to be cake? If there is, what kind of flavours are we thinking we'd like? 
I'm not so much a sweet tooth, actually. Although if there is cake, um, I'm just going to have a small slither of a, of a piece because I'm eating way too much in lockdown. Um, <laughs> I have got quite sure. a lot of lint chocolate to get through, yeah. I think it'll just be a sunbathing afternoon. It's beautiful weather. St George's Day very rarely lets me down. It's usually a sunny day. So I'm going to get the beach towel out, put my feet up, get my sunglasses on and try and compete with Hayley McQueen for a tan. So Hayley, you are straight back out into the garden, are you, after this? Absolutely. I can hear the little one being put to bed as I speak. So I'm going to pop outside, whip off the sarong and catch some rays. Oh, delightful. I'm going to go downstairs and keep homeschooling my kids. Oh, oh no. Someone got the worst deal. Someone got the short straw. That's it from us, folks. If you're listening, lots of love from all of us as well, especially, of course, as we continue to exist in these strange times. Hope everyone is well. And, of course, a big shout-out to any of you who are key workers working for the NHS or anyone else who are contributing um, to the huge national effort going on at the moment. From all of us at The Offside Rule, we'll see you next week. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Hello listeners, I'm Karen Einbarger, host of the Totally Football League show. I'm joined each week by Sam Parkin. Say hello, Sam. Hi, Caroline. By Adrian Clark. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And the Bolton Wanderers fan too. Not Adrian, but Joe Criddy. Looking forward to League Two. Yes. Each week we go headfirst into the EFL to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever Ian Holloway has said now. From Leeds to Luton, Sunderland to Plymouth, Swindon to Stevenage and everything in between. If it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered. Haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.